Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our production and outreach director, Matt Walker. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! I wanted to start today with a story. Um, Actually, I wanted to start with a question. By show of hands, how many people have seen the Lord of the Rings films? Okay, great. The rest of you, we're going to be praying for you. And someone can, we make a list of the people that kept their hands down because I got to tell you, my favorite movie franchise of all time is the Lord of the Rings. I love these movies and I've seen them, I know, at least a dozen times, maybe even two dozen. I just think that they are the perfect movie. I love them. I I can still sit down like the first time I saw them and I'm still going to laugh and I'm still going to cry and I'm going to cheer and I'm going to gasp and boy, it's just such a triumph of the human spirit. I love these movies. In fact, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to interview the Oscar-winning production designer of these films. And I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me ever. Like, I loved it. It's, it, these movies, they just speak to me. They speak to so many people. And I, I, I just really think that they're the perfect movie franchise. Another thing about me is that I am an uncle. Um, I've got two nieces and a nephew. Uh, my youngest niece is 15 years old. And her name's Gracie. And um, one thing that I love about being an uncle is that I get to... I've taken the responsibility of introducing her to things that I find awesome. And so I was kind of her foot in the door for a lot of like the Marvel movies and we watched Star Wars together for the first time. And I introduced her to all the nerdy video games that I liked growing up. And um, it's really neat that we get to connect on that level. In fact, um, when she was four years old, I introduced her to the Beatles. How many preschoolers do you know can sing through the entirety of Abbey Road? Only one, my niece Gracie. The rest of them, wheels on the bus or baby shark this or whatever, nuh-uh, Abbey Road. That was Gracie. And so I take a lot of pride in that. I think it's really cool. And it's one of my favorite things about being an uncle is introducing these things to her. And so I realized over this past summer, and when I say summer, I mean this weird COVID summer that we had that started in March and it's probably going on until about October probably. (laughs) Um, I realized that Gracie had never seen The Lord of the Rings. And so I said, Gracie, have I got a treat for you? We're going to sit down and we're going to watch, are you ready? The Lord of the Rings. And she's like, yeah, okay, that'll be great. And I'm like, oh, yes, it will. Because let me tell you, not only do I have the Lord of the Rings for us to watch, but I've got the extended editions on Blu-ray. And I just got to tell everybody here today that if you're not watching the Lord of the Rings, the extended editions on Blu-ray, you're not really watching the Lord of the Rings. And so I took Gracie. We sat down on the couch and I said, you have to get up up here before the sun goes down because these movies are four hours a piece. And if we're going to watch just one, it's going to be midnight before we get out of here. But let me tell you, greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? So she said, yeah. And so we sat down, we watched it and I I, I just soaked it all in the, you know, the four hour journey. And oh, it's just like seeing it again for the first time. And like when when Frodo and Sam are walking off towards Mount Doom and that music swells and I just, it's such a triumph of the human spirit and I go, yes, good will always conquer evil in the end and I'm so into it and it's like, oh, I'm so glad Gracie can experience this with me and so I turn to her and I say, Gracie, so what did you think? You know what her response was? That was pretty good. And on the outside, I'm like, yeah, we'll have to watch We'll have to watch the second one sometime. We still haven't. On the inside, I was like, 
pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Warmed up frozen pizza is pretty good. Okay? Finding $5 in your pocket is pretty good. These are the Lord of the Rings films. They won like 20 Oscars between them. They are my favorite motion pictures of all time. They meant so much to me. Pretty good doesn't even cut it. These are incredible. And see, the thing is, she didn't even not like them. In fact, I think she liked the, the movie pretty well. But just the fact that she didn't cling to it like I did, it felt like personal. It felt like, okay, so clearly between the two of us, you're the incorrect one. And it's my taste that is correct, right? And so you just need to give it another try. Or we just need to do it. We just need to watch the second. Let's go ahead and sit down. We'll spend another four hours watching the sequel and it's going to be fine, right? Like, uh, clearly you're just not, you just don't understand it, right? This thing that meant so much to me, I'm trying to pass along to you and you just didn't get it, right? And so I, a question I have for us today is, has it ever happened to you? You try and pass on something to the next generation or you try to share something with people that you care about and when they don't latch onto it the same way that you do, it feels personal. It feels hurtful almost. Like I didn't have anything to do with the making of the Lord of the Rings films, no skin off my back if someone doesn't like them, but it feels personal, right? I wanted someone that I love to love this thing that I also love, and when maybe they don't to the same degree or it doesn't mean as much to them, it kind of hurts. It kind of feels personal. So I want you to be thinking about that kind of the back of your mind, and we're going to swim around in the Bible a bit and come back to that, but just, just think about it. And um, while, while you do that, I want to talk about a statistic that I read the other day. A majority of Christians, 97% of Christians would agree that sharing your faith, sharing our faith is important, but 79% will never even try. That means that for Christians who I hope would say that the most important thing in their lives is their relationship with Jesus the most important thing that changed their life forever, their eternity forever, that only about 80%, that 80% will never even try to share their faith and only about 20% will make any attempt at all. Does that bother us? Like, does it shock you? Because it kind of bothered me when I read that, that 80% will never even make an attempt to share their faith with anyone. And so it got me asking these questions. Is my faith worth sharing? And so when I say that, notice that I didn't ask, is Jesus worth sharing? And I didn't ask, is Christianity worth sharing? I'm asking, make it personal for you too. Is my faith worth sharing? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the time we might say no. Uh, summer of 2017, there was an incredible thing that happened. Um, uh, a startup company released this thing that for $9 a month, you could get a free movie ticket every single day for, for $9 a month. It was called Movie Pass. And in case you didn't realize by my 10-minute Lord of the Rings rant, I love movies, right? I, I went to school for it. I love them. And so this thing called Movie Pass meant that I had to pay nine bucks a month, but I got a free movie ticket every single day for any movie I wanted to see. And boy, that's, that is such a deal. Like you, you go to one movie and you've already, it's already paid for itself, right? 
And so I saw so many movies that summer. Uh, I went with my friends. I went by myself. I went before class. I went after class. I saw movies two or three times. I even went and saw movies I knew I was not going to like because it's movie. Like I, I, I wasn't spending anything. It, it was great. It was so good. I, I almost lived in the cinema. And what was really neat is whenever my friends would ask me about movie pass, or whenever my friends would talk about movies, you better believe that I was going to bring up movie pass. I was going to say, hey, you know, have you heard of movie pass? Hey, are you signed up for movie pass? I wasn't like being paid by these guys or anything. I just loved movie pass so much because it literally felt like it was changing my life. I mean, how often do you get to go to the movies, especially during COVID right now? But just think about this, like seeing a free movie every day if you wanted to. So someone in school might be talking about like, oh, did you see this movie or whatever? And I'd be like, hey, do you have movie pass? Let me tell you about movie pass. Movie pass will change your life. It's incredible. And then, and I, you know, obviously um, when you give away that many free movie tickets, that's not a sustainable business. And so movie pass has closed down. <laughs> so you can't find it anymore. But for those three months, man, I loved movie pass. It was incredible. But, you know, looking back on movie pass and how much I talked about it and how much I talked it up, I realized that in those three months of movie pass, I was, and I hate to use this word, I was more evangelical about sharing movie pass with people than I was about sharing Jesus. And not just in those three months, maybe even my whole life. And I was thinking about that and kind of shocked me. And I started to ask myself, why is that the case? Why? Am I so excited about this business that inevitably failed than I am about my own faith? And why aren't we more excited? You know? And so as we ask the question, is our faith worth sharing? We have to ask ourselves, if not, why not? Why aren't we excited? I think we can boil down the reason to mostly is that Sometimes we have replaced Jesus with something. Now, it's easy to, to understand what I mean by that. You hear pastors and you hear preachers and ministers talk about this from time to time, saying, you know, don't, you know, don't make an idol out of this and don't worship money or your career as God or, or don't, you know, don't make an idol out of your spouse or your kids or your house or your car or your boat or your whatever, like, we hear that, and that's easy to do, right? I mean, maybe it's not easy to do, but clearly we can see when we've replaced God with something like a job or money or whatever. But that's not even what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about something that we as Christians often will accidentally place in the throne that Jesus should be occupying. Sometimes we replace God with the things of God. Sometimes we replace Christ with the things that are ultimately meant to point to Christ. So what do I mean by that? Sometimes we will mistake a relationship with Jesus with a relationship with our church or a lot of Bible knowledge or a theology this or denomination that or sometimes we will get so into the knowledge and understanding of God that we will walk right on past him. So I want to talk about that today, about how we should never, ever replace God with the things of God. And the reason why we shouldn't do that is because, one, we'll be missing out on a relationship we could be having with Jesus himself, but two, it makes it really hard for others 
to have what we have. It makes it really hard for other people to want to join the family of God when they see us. It's when they try to look at God and we've put up a whole bunch of theology stuff and a whole bunch of church stuff and a whole bunch of Christianese and religious stuff in front of them. It makes it hard for them. We put more hurdles and roadblocks in the way for people to get to Jesus. It becomes super difficult to even become a Christian and actually it prevents people from wanting to in the first place. It makes it hard. Uh, let's look at this first. It's Acts chapter 15, verse 19, and it says this. It is my, this is Paul talking, by the way. Um, Paul is talking to a group of Jews that are concerned with these new people wanting to join the Christian movement, right? The Jewish people are saying, yeah, but like this is how we've always done things. We've done this kind of cleaning ritual, and we've eaten this way, and we've done this, and there's 600-something commandments that they have to keep, right? Paul says this, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. So let me ask you this. Do you think maybe we've made it difficult sometimes? Do you think sometimes we've made it difficult for people wanting a relationship with Jesus, but we say, that's so great. Here's the checklist that you got to do. You have to, you have to do this and you have to pray this prayer and you have to never go to this church with this denomination or this church that plays this kind of music or you have to read this very specific translation of the Bible or, okay, well, you have to walk through a 12-step program in order to understand the soteriology of salvation. All this stuff. It's like, no, don't you think we've made it hard sometimes that there are people that want to know Jesus? Maybe they're interested in it, but we say, no, we're the gatekeepers and here's a list of things you have to do. I think sometimes when we do that, it means that we have replaced Jesus with the things that were ultimately meant to point to Jesus. Sometimes our entire faith experience can be tied up into a, a church, right? Maybe, maybe you've been going to Elevate for a long time. Maybe you've come from a different church. Maybe you're visiting us today. Maybe you're watching online. And your entire faith experience is rooted in a specific church or a specific church style, maybe a specific church denomination, um, but when, when your entire faith experience comes down to a church and church events and church services and church small groups, church studies and outreach opportunities and this and that, when that becomes your whole faith, when you've replaced Jesus with his church, and I got to say, I think you've made a big mistake because here's the thing. I don't know, I don't know how to break it to you. Churches are filled with people and people act like people. And when churches filled with people who act like people inevitably act like people, people will get hurt. And you see, when you get hurt, you might get let down. And so here's the thing. If we have replaced Jesus with the church itself, then when the church hurts us, it's going to feel like God has hurt us. And friends, I just want to remind you today that God is not in the business of hurting you. He will never leave and never forsake you. And if you ever feel like he has, then maybe it's because you had replaced him with a God that was inevitably going to let you down in some way or another. And I'm not bad-mouthing church. I happen to work at one. <laughs> but let me just say that if you ever want to replace Jesus with the gathering of Jesus it's, you're going to be missing out on so much more that God has for you. And you know, if, if our entire church experience is, is serving in the church and doing this and proving to God and others how much we love him and how much he loves us, or, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I've 
I've given this amount of money in my tithes and I've done this or whatever. It's like, those things are all good, but church is not Jesus. Otherwise, all it would take is for us to force people in through these doors and they would be saved, but that doesn't happen. That's not how it works. Sometimes people will replace Jesus with the Bible itself. Sometimes people will replace God with the words he has given us. In fact, sometimes we will, re- we will elevate the scriptures to the same level as God himself and act like it's the fourth member of the Trinity. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes Rather than treat the scriptures as the words God has given us, we treat them like God himself. Does anybody know anybody like that? I can be like that sometimes if I'm honest, and maybe you can relate in some way or another. But when you begin to focus so much on the study of God and the ins and outs of theology, and you read all the great theologians and pastors of years gone by, and you listen to 12 hours of podcasts every single day that teach you about this ology and that ology and all this sort of thing, have you ever met somebody that they do that so often it seems like they've just walked right on past God? I know people like that, and sometimes I am that person. And I just got to say, that you have to know that biblical knowledge is not synonymous with knowing Jesus. It helps, but it's not the same thing. And so don't mishear me today. I'm not saying that the Bible is, there's something wrong with the Bible. The Bible is incredible and amazing and good. I believe it is inerrant, and I believe that it is the inspired word of God. And did you know that the Bible is is not even a book? It is a library of 66 ancient documents written over the course of thousands of years by dozens of authors. And even though that is the case, it still manages to tell a cohesive and deeply woven and intricate story and gives us everything we need to know about God's love for us and how to live our lives here on earth The Bible is incredible, and I think it is the most important and crucial assembly of documents ever created, but it is not God itself. Should you read the Bible? Yes, absolutely, every day if you can. But don't make the mistake of thinking just because you know the Bible that you know Jesus Otherwise, we would just have to have people read the scriptures and 100% of the time, they would become a Christian. That doesn't happen. There's a person inside of these things. There's a person inside of our religion that has inspired the Bible that is the reason the church assembles. There's a reason why a denomination exists or why we have a certain theology and his name is Jesus. And until we focus on him, we're gonna be missing out on a lot of stuff. You see, the Bible itself calls Jesus the Word of God. Let's read this. This is uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So John was one of Jesus' best friends, right? Jesus had a, he had all of his followers, and he had his 12 disciples, and then he had a tighter group that John was a part of, and John was extremely close to Jesus. This the gospel of John is his account of his best friend's life. These are the opening words to this account. He says this, uh, John chapter one, verses one through five. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, the Bible itself calls Jesus the Word of God. Jesus should be our focus. Jesus, the word there means, it, in, translated from the Greek, it's the logos. It's the very essence. It's the very person of God. You see, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the words that God has given us that we walk right on past the word himself. The Bible calls, it, calls Jesus our authority. Look at this. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so you have to understand, this is right before the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples to go and spread this thing around. Go and make more followers of the way, right? And this is right before he sends them out to do that. But you have to understand that some of the people here listening to Jesus saying this come from a Jewish background. And so when they hear this, their whole life, their authority has been the law. Their authority has been the law of Moses, the Torah. And so when they hear Jesus say, I'm the authority now, a little, some red flags are popping up and they say, wait a minute. I, I thought the law of Moses was my authority. But Jesus is saying, that's me now. I am the word. I am the logos of God. And see, that might've been hard for them for just a second. But you got to see, these people had followed Jesus around. They had seen him give sight to the blind and heal the sick. They'd seen him raise the dead. They saw him crucified and go into the tomb and then was walking around with them just three days later. When you pull that off, suddenly it becomes easier to say, yes, Lord, I give you authority over my life. Whatever came before, it doesn't matter now. Jesus, you are now the one that my focus is going to be on exclusively. See, whatever authority the Bible has is because it was the recording of Jesus and it was what God had for us. I heard this illustration once and I loved it. The Constitution did not create the United States of America. The company handbook did not found the company, and the Bible did not launch Christianity. The resurrection did. Jesus Christ himself that was alive and ministered and was killed and resurrected, that is what Christianity is. That is what our focus should be on. And he's given us the Bible to point to that fact. Did you know that for the first three or 400 years of the church after the resurrection, there wasn't a Bible? There were these 66 documents that were kind of scattered around, and the early church might have had maybe a couple pages from John's gospel, maybe a copy of a copy of a copy of one of the letters that Paul wrote to one of the churches. You know, it's all ruffled up and might have a coffee stain on it or whatever. I don't know what they drink back then, but the thing is that they didn't have the entirety of scriptures that we have now, and yet... They were exploding across the world. 
They were going from Israel and they went out to, to Africa and Asia and India and to where modern day Europe is. And the church was growing at an exponential rate and they didn't have the Bible that we have now. And so why are they doing better than we are when we have the completed word of God? How could they be excited when they didn't have all the knowledge that we have? They didn't have a, a smartphone that could look up any passage of scripture anytime they wanted. Why is it that they were so much more passionate than we are? And I believe it's two reasons. One, they had the Holy Spirit that was propelling them and moving them and guiding them and they relied on him. And number two, they understood. They understood that their faith, that the way was about a person named Jesus. And it wasn't a religion. It was a person. It wasn't a religion. It was a resurrection. And I think we would do well to remember that. We have to know that through Christ alone, there is no other name by which we can be saved. You can read it in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Not his church, not even his word. Only the name of Jesus can save us. I've got a friend. Uh, her name is Hannah. Um, Hannah is an awesome person. I love her to death. Um, she is such a cool friend of mine. Uh, we met a few years ago while I was preparing to go on a short-term mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and she was doing the same thing. She had gone a few times, and I had gone a few times, and we got really close as we prepared for the trip, and she's just a great friend of mine. Um, in fact, a couple years ago, she made the decision to move down to the, the Dominican Republic full-time and minister and give of herself and volunteer um, by living there, and I, that's just such a cool thing. And I don't see her as often as I used to, um, but when we do get together, it's so much fun, and we just talk about old times, and it's great. I love Hannah to death. Uh, one thing she does is she keeps a blog, right? She writes about her thoughts and her feelings about what's going on in the Dominican Republic. She tells stories on it. She talks about what's coming up in the future. She kind of gives us some insight into how she thinks, into her heart and everything. And it's really great. It's really great to be able to have that while um, there's a distance between us, right? It would be a horrible mistake for me to say just because I've read her blog that I know Hannah. It would be an awful mistake for me to say, hey, read her blog. It's the same thing as knowing her. It's like, no, there's a person there. There's a person who's awesome in that I wish that you could get to know. There's a, and I would be making a huge mistake if I based my entire relationship with somebody on the words that they gave me to read. And so that's the same thing that I want to kind of drive home today is that biblical knowledge is not synonymous with spiritual maturity. It's just not. And it's not synonymous with a relationship with Jesus. It helps. In fact, I think it's one of the best ways for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. In fact, I think it's the only reliable authority we have to understand what God is saying at any given time. But it is not Jesus. Our Bible is not our God. Kind of in evangelical world, we, uh, we have a cliche that we like to say. I think it's true, but sometimes you hear something so often that it becomes kind of like an eye roller. Um, how, how many of you have heard this? It's not a religion. It's a relationship. That's right. Uh, 
we hear that so many times. I happen to agree with it. But do we really mean that? Do we really mean that we're going to take off the pretenses of religion and we're going to stop playing these games and it's really just about a relationship with Jesus? We should, but we don't. A lot of the time we don't. Let me ask you this. Think about the Gospels. Who was the antagonist in the Gospel narratives? Who was the bad guy, so to speak, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Was it the Romans? Not really. I mean, they were oppressive, but they just kind of operated in the background mostly. Was it the devil? He shows up a couple times, as you might know, but he's a bad dude, but he's not the main villain, so to speak, of the gospel stories. Well, who was? The Pharisees, that's right. The teachers of religious law, those were the bad guys. See, the tragedy of the Pharisees, the absolute tragedy of the Pharisees was that they were there with Jesus. They walked the same roads he did. They might have brushed up against him. They heard his voice with their ears and they saw him with their own eyes and yet they completely missed him. They were right there with him and they missed him because they were so puffed up by their knowledge of the scriptures that they completely missed the person that the scriptures were written about. And everybody, I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to be so wrapped up in your theology and your spiritual experience that you miss the person of Jesus who it was written about in the first place. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says this, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Our knowledge makes us arrogant sometimes, makes us full of ourselves. We feel that because we know more Bible than someone else that we're a better Christian. And I think that's giving people the wrong idea about our faith. I'm going to be real with you for a second. Not that I haven't been real with you thus far, but let's, I, I just want you to pay attention to this. People are leaving the church. I mean that as a whole, and I mean that at Elevate. People are leaving the church. In fact, we read as a staff this past week that when the whole coronavirus situation is said and done, 40% of congregations will not return. That's not because they've died, and that's not because they're scared. It's because they've moved on. 40% will not return. People want more than a religion. People want more than a religion because a religion cannot satisfy you the way that Jesus can. People don't need more church activities. They don't need a better church service. They don't need more robust theology. They don't need to dig super deep. They don't need to memorize huge chunks of the Bible. They don't need to give this amount of money. They need one thing first and foremost, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The rest of those things are only meant to point to him. Because none of those things will satisfy the same way that he does. We wonder why the fastest growing religious affiliation in the United States are the nuns. That's not nun like a female order of Catholics. It's N-O-N-E, as in I have no religious affiliation. 
And here's the thing about that. Those people that are saying that, they're not even atheists, right? Because atheism is a religious affiliation. These people are saying, when asked, what are your religious beliefs? They go, eh, doesn't really matter to me. Eh, I could take it or leave it. How tragic. That is, that is, uh, that is a us problem, guys, because they might not feel the need for any kind of religious faith because we haven't given them any. We haven't given them a reason sometimes. We've put up so much pretensions of religion and theology and all this that sometimes we direct people away from God rather than to him. And I can't think of a worse tragedy than that. Sometimes we've made the Christian experience about soaking up knowledge and theology and dogma and rigid rules and traditions and all this stuff. And it's not saving anyone. It's not saving anyone. And so today, might I suggest that we change our approach just a little bit. See, if we want to pass on something to the next generation that they're going to want to pass on to the generation after them, maybe we need to do some things we haven't done before. Maybe we need to change our focus. Rather than creating a better church service or, or doing something uh, that is like a, a one-time event or, or changing this or that, we need to focus solely on Jesus because when we focus on that, See, when we focus on reaching the next generation, not with what's comfortable for us, but what is appealing to them, maybe, just maybe, things can be different. And I think Elevate, as a church, we've done a good job of that so far. We really have. I've seen uh, Amanda, our church admin, um, was showing me some old photos of uh, East Paulding Christian Church back in the day. And we've grown a lot. We, we have really decided, it seems, we've made our focus to be outward rather than inward, right? We have decided that we care about people and that we are going to do whatever we can to introduce them to Jesus. But you know what? We can always do better. Maybe it's time we stop worshiping our theology or the way we're comfortable doing church. Maybe we should stop you know, thinking that the more Bible we have memorized or the more theology we know, the better Christians we are. Maybe, rather, maybe we should start reaching people where they are rather than dragging them to where we are. Maybe we shouldn't force them into a mold that we've created. Maybe we should change our focus to that. See, my first, my one-year anniversary at Elevate is next week. I've been here an entire year, and I just got to say that it has been a tremendous honor and privilege to serve with you guys. It has been, I've seen your heart in so many different ways. You guys love Jesus, and you love our community, and I'm so grateful for that. But I got to say something really quick. Over the past year, do you know how many baptisms I've seen here at Elevate? Only one. I've seen only one baptism. It was a young man. Uh, I think he was probably on the cusp between elementary school and middle school, so 10, 11 years old. And he was baptized. And I want you to think about this. When he made that decision to be baptized, do you think he had a deeply rooted understanding of theology? Do you think you could quiz him 
on the family trees of the Bible or ask him what this word means in the Greek or what this word means in Hebrew? Do you think he could teach a seminary class? Do you think he was prepared? No, he was baptized. He made that decision because he loved Jesus. And that's why we initially became believers. We didn't have all the answers. We didn't need all the answers. All we needed was Jesus. We didn't have to anything else. And listen, this isn't on our slides, but uh, the book of John chapter 6, verse 29 says, this is the only work that God requires of you. This is the only action. This is the only thing that God requires of you. Believe in the one he has sent. And that's it. All these pretensions of religion, all of this churchy stuff, all of this Christianese, it's all extra. And it's meant to point to him anyway believe in the one he has sent. And so this young man, the Bible says that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to have faith like a child. And I would say it's just like this young man. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't need all the answers. All he knew is that he loved Jesus. Why can't we get that? What have we missed about that? Do you know what would happen if we stopped pretending that church was a social club or that church was seminary? If we stop pretending that the more Bible you knew, the better of a Christian you were, do you know what would happen? Do you know what would happen if we stopped treating church like just we stopped going through the motions? We started treating Jesus like he was a person that changed our lives rather than a religion that we belong to or maybe inherited. I couldn't even dream with me here for a moment. I couldn't even imagine what would change if we refocused on Jesus himself. I'll tell you one thing. We would have to move the chairs that are currently backstage. We'd have, to re we'd have to move them back into this sanctuary because people would be coming in because they want to hear more about what we have. They want to hear about Jesus. We need to start focusing on him and telling people about him. We would start having to park more in the grass over here because more people would be coming in. They couldn't get enough of what we have. We want to share it with people. We want to spread it around. We'd be parking in the grass. We'd have to call the wedding venue next door, whose name I cannot pronounce because I do not speak French, and say, hey, we need to borrow more of your parking spots because people have come. They want to hear about Jesus. Listen to this. We would have to start budgeting more money for our water bill because we would be filling up that baptismal that is collecting dust backstage because more people would be entering into life from death. They would be redeemed. Their sins would be forgiven. All we have to do is want that for them. And I know you want it. I know you do. And I want it too. So how do we do it? We need to change our approach. Maybe it's start time we focusing on that. We would leave behind a church, a faith that the next generation could be excited about that they would want to pass on and leave behind. So let's, let's think back to the beginning. Are we making it hard? Are we making it hard for people that want to follow Jesus? It's like the story I told you about my niece, Gracie. Maybe it's a me thing. Maybe I wanted so bad to pass on the way that I liked movies to her, and when she was like, eh, that's good. Maybe that's a me thing. Maybe I have to change my approach. Maybe I really have to understand that I, if I'm going to pass on something to the next generation, it has to be for them. It can't be mine. It has to be personal. And I think we know this. COVID has certainly thrown us for a loop. I don't think there's any denying that. Churches have shut their doors all around the country. 
it's a time of uncertainty for sure. But I think for the Christian church, for churches that meet everywhere, no matter what your denomination is or what part of the country you're from, I think it was just a symptom of what's really going on underneath. On the trajectory we've been on, I think this would have happened anyway. We've taken our focus off God and we've put it on the things of God. We've put it on our religion. And there are worse things to worship. Don't get me wrong. But like I said before, these things are meant to point to God, not be our God. Like I said, churches are closing, but for some reason, guys, for some reason, God has kept Elevate open. And not only that, we have more resources and influence than we've ever had before, even before coronavirus. And so what I want to say to you is don't waste this opportunity. Let's refocus. Let's go back to what our faith was at the beginning and say, it is all about Jesus. I heard this quote one time, and I can't remember who said it. I should Google it and and track it down because it's one of my favorites. But listen, Jesus called us to be fishers of men. Are we familiar with that? We've heard that before. Jesus called us to be fishers of men, not keepers of aquariums. Jesus has not called us to be inwardly focused. He commands us to be outwardly focused. We should be so into the people outside of these walls, and our mission should be to bring them home to God. Oh, but wait a minute, Matt. Listen, that's all well and good, you might be saying. But we need robust theology study on Sunday mornings. We need to have two-hour Sunday school classes. We need to go deep into this scripture. We need to do a 43-week exegetical study of First Chronicles, and you need to understand the Hebrew and the Greek this, and da, da, da. And it's like, if that's your attitude, then go to a seminary, because I care about lost people. I care about the people that are outside of these walls, and I know you do too. I don't care about the soteriology of salvation. I care that people are finding salvation. I care, I care, and I know you do too because I've seen it in your hearts and I've seen it in how you serve others. I don't care that we listen to this pastor for so many hours a week and that we do this deep study of this and that you know what the proto-evangelion is and what the uh, ecclesiology is. Like, none of that matters. It's all meant to point to God anyway. I don't care about that. I care People are going to spend eternity somewhere. We get to play a part in helping the kingdom of God be established here. Don't you want to bring people with you there? Don't you want it? And if you don't, then maybe you have replaced Jesus with something else. You see, when we put Jesus on the throne, we make him the king of our hearts when he is that wind in our sails, when he's that fire in our veins, when he's the fuel in our tank, when he is our sole focus, it changes everything. It changed this community. It changes church. It would change this county. It would change the state of Georgia. Listen, all you have to do is turn on the news to see that there are some deep wounds coming to the surface in our country. Those would be bound up and healed if only we would take our focus off of theology, this and and all of this other extra religious stuff and just focus on Jesus. If we made him the king of our hearts, there's nothing that we couldn't do. There is not a soul that is too far away from Jesus 
to be, to be lost forever because his love, his love at the end of the day is all that matters. We need to have that faith like a child. We need to focus solely on him. And so you know what? I'm praying that when all this is said and done, when all of coronavirus is over, that we don't just bounce back from it, that we bounce forward. Amen? That we bounce forward, that when we refocus, that we are on fire for Jesus and Christ alone more than ever. And we can do it. We certainly can. We can change this county. We can change our hearts and the hearts of the people that might have not given God a second look. We can do it. And do you know why? Philippians 4.13. Everyone has this written on a sticky note somewhere in their Bible. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We can do this. The church will endure, right? The church of Jesus will endure. Wouldn't you rather have a big part of that than just be a smudge on the story that God is telling? Wouldn't you rather be known as someone so on fire for Jesus? Wouldn't you want to be known as a church that is so focused on the mission of the gospel that people would look at Elevate and say, wow, the gates of hell cannot even prevail against them because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says the church will endure and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And guys, I'm praying that for our church today. I want to finish with this question and I want you to think about it good. Who is the king of your heart? Is it Jesus? Or is it something you've replaced him with? Is it Jesus? Or is it your religion? Is it Jesus? Or something else? We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.